You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to get your fine Bills-related podcasts. We hope you enjoyed last week's episode talking about the road trip destinations for your Bills in 2023. Had some really good engagement, at least in the DMs, with a bunch of Bills fans who were talking about the London trip and why that made a lot of sense and why they were really excited you know, to go across the pond. Um, some of them actually live over in the UK, so it's an easier, you know, trip for them to go watch their favorite team uh, versus us fans here in the States. But yeah. uh, myself, John Boccasino, and Jamie D'Amico, we cut it up last week talking about the road trips, and I appreciate Jamie bringing his insights for that topic. Jamie, great to have you back on, buddy. Buddy, I'm glad to be here, and I'm so glad you brought up some of the uh, DM interaction that we got because I specifically want to mention somebody from that. He's at Bill Mustafa, and uh, he wrote to me and said, hey, as for the the part that pertains to the food in the restaurants in England – his family owns a restaurant and invited us to come down if we actually make it out there. Uh, it's uh, a, a pie and mash restaurant, which is a traditional London food. And my gosh, it was so nice of him to I- extend an invitation. And hey, look him up, folks. Us Bill's Mafia people, we stick together. Yes, we do. Yeah, it's funny, Jamie. Bill actually reached out to me, too. With, I was um, hoping so. Oh, yeah, which is great. We love it when people reach out to us. And, and he mentioned his family's restaurant, which was really cool. And I was happy to hear the feedback from him. Um, and since we're doing some personal shout outs, I want to give a shout out to the Twitter user at Charlie Sport um, or at Charlie underscore Sport. Uh, he actually is based in London and he recommended a, a Bill's Backers group of London, the LDN Bill's Backers which he belongs to that are putting out all sorts of sightseeing trips and activities, um, ways to keep in touch with the Bills fans over in London. They do a podcast over there called Bills from Afar. So highly recommend when this community all comes together. Um, And the fact that if you are going, highly recommend looking up uh, Bill Mustafa and Charlie underscore sport, what they are doing with the UK Bills backers uh, to get the Bills fans connected to their favorite team. So shout out to our listeners for getting involved. We always appreciate you. Amen. Now we're not quite sure, Jamie, what kind of, uh, you know, feedback we're going to get from this week's, you know, topic, but as we, we, you know, this is the really, for me, Jamie, frustrating part of the off season because the mandatory mini camp has concluded and I am not 
going to. I know you guys did, and I commend you for doing it, but I'm not going to spend this week's episode diving into the Diggs drama from Mandatory Minicamp. Go check out Jamie and Big Newt. Uh, Go check out Not Another Bills podcast. A lot of these podcast people on Rumblings talked about the topic. All I will say is I believe this is a huge, much ado about nothing that stems from a personal issue with Josh and Stefan and has nothing to do with his targets or how often he's gone after in the passing game. Um, And that's all I'm going to say based on the knowledge that I have about the situation. Um, I feel like it's being blown way out of proportion because we have social media microphones and because people are desperate for things to talk about because we're still so far away from game action. So we've got five weeks until training camp comes around. There's this kind of lull in the summer where the players get a break and we as Bills fans have to come up with content to talk about. So Jamie and I were thinking for this week's episode of Believe, we would discuss whether the Bills need to add another weapon or two on offense, specifically DeAndre Hopkins and Dalvin Cook. And then we're going to segue into possible trade candidates, members of the Bills who could find themselves on the trade block because Brandon Bean has been a wizard at moving these players during camp. He's made six deals during his six years here in Buffalo, occurring during training camp where he ditches a veteran to bring back a draft pick. So we're going to start off, Jamie, with talking about Delvin and DeAndre. We've really done a deep dive into DeAndre Hopkins when the rumors were very, very hot. Now they've kind of simmered down. It seems more likely that he's going to sign with the New England Patriots, more so than coming to Buffalo. But on that topic of adding offensive weapons, where do you stand? I stand in the position of looking at the AFC as though it is an arms race. We are talking 1980s Reagan-era Cold War with the Soviet Union. And it's not going to end until one team outscores another. And the way you do that is by having more talent and a better system than the other team. Now, do the Bills have a better offensive coordinator than Andy Reid? No, no, they don't. Andy Reid is a great play caller. So the Bills are going to have to make up for that on talent. And do the Bills have more talent than the Chiefs on offense? Well, at the skill positions, maybe. On the offensive line, no. And at quarterback, sorry, Bills fans, but Patrick Mahomes is already a Hall of Famer and Josh Allen isn't there yet. So they need to make up for it by putting more talent on the field than what the Chiefs possess. And the only way they're going to do that is if they keep stacking themselves the way the Miami Dolphins are stacking themselves on defense. So with and and, and with with what you just mentioned there about this arms race and I I will agree that Allen is below Mahomes when it comes to the quarterback rankings. I will say that the offensive line for Kansas City is better than Buffalo's although I am really looking forward to seeing Osiris Torrance inserted into the starting lineup for what he can do to solidify the guard position. And Spencer Brown is clearly in a make or break year um, at the right tackle position. Um, Obviously everyone on the line is on notice that they need to do a better job of protecting Josh Allen. But when it comes to the playmakers, I am in the camp that I feel like at the wide receiver position, First of all, I don't think DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, he's a shell of what he was back in the day. He's battled Mm -hmm. injuries. 
Um, and it's clear to me that what he wants more than anything else is that bag. He's going after mm-hmm. that bag of cash. Otherwise, he would have clearly come and followed Von Miller's recruiting pitch and played for Buffalo for a lot less money than he's going to receive in Foxborough. Mm-hmm. But even with that said, Jamie, I don't feel like the Bills offense needs an infusion of more talent. I think they need to use the talent that they've got better. And that comes down to Ken Dorsey figuring out how to be the chess master that gets the most out of Dalton Kincaid, his ginormous freak of nature athletic slot weapon that they drafted in the first round and finding a way to use the speed of Deontay Hardy, the speed of Trent Sherfield, uh, the height of Justin Shorter, if he makes the roster and unlocking the secret to Gabe Davis, because uh, look, I like Gabe Davis as a person. Um, I love the fact that his teammates go to war for this guy. I mean, there's not anyone who will say a bad thing that you've heard about the guy, but he's got to develop softer hands. And mm-hmm. if he can do that, when you get Diggs, who is pissed off as all hell, as you can tell by his antics over uh, minicamp, and you get a, a motivated and refined Gabe Davis making better catches and a simpler offense for this Bills team to run, I don't think scoring points is going to be a problem. It's not going to be a problem, but when you look at the teams that the Bills have played and lost to when it comes to the playoffs, they've gotten outscored. I mean, just straight up, they there was no defense played against Kansas City two years ago in the second half of that game. Kansas City was able to score more. And then this past year, and I know that there was a lot going on against the Bengals, the Bills scored, what, 10 points? 10 points. Yeah. Uh, something's wrong, man. So I look at the the weakness in this offense is has been the offensive line for years now. They can't seem to get it right. And I know people are jumping all over Colin Cowherd for what he said, but he did make a great point in that it's been five years. The Bills' offensive line is still a question mark. And you look at teams like the Chiefs that remade theirs in one offseason. For me, it's been frustrating uh, I'm not going to come on quite as strong as Cowherd did. But outside of the offensive line, what is the one position that you feel like really needs to be improved upon? To me, it's wide receiver too. And can we rely on Gabe Davis taking a big step forward? He has to be able to do two things. Not only catch the ball, but there's another part of his game that I don't think he can develop. And that is getting open near the line of scrimmage. This is a guy whose average depth of target, I I don't have the number offhand. It's deep, though. And that's because he's a long strider, can't seem to get open right off the line of scrimmage. And that's that's kind of an important skill set. Now, you can work around that, and you know, we, we can leave it to Dorsey to try to figure that out. But to me, if Gabe Davis cannot take a big step forward, then they need a better wide receiver too. And even at this point in his career, D-Hop is a better receiver than Gabe Davis. Now, here's the thing. Like you said, he's going after that bag of money. He's 31 years old. He realizes this is his last opportunity to get a good contract. He's going after it. I can't begrudge him for it. I have gone to work in the past for lesser companies to make more money. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. And, and look, it's his last contract opportunity for sure. But I just, I don't know. I mean, I feel like the Hopkins that caught the, the Hail Mary pass uh, from Kyler Murray to beat the Bills a couple of years ago, that was like his pretty much career highlight arc uh, of his time in Arizona. It's been downhill, you know, since then. He hasn't been able to stay fully healthy. Now, granted, he had a terrible quarterback in Murray who regressed big time. But I think that the, the magic juice to solve the Bills offense, what was the difference last year's Bills versus two years ago when it came to the efficiency of the offense? In my humble opinion, exactly. Yeah. Even with a <laughs> mediocre offensive line, Cole Beasley was able to keep offense defenses on their toes by his presence in the slot. And that's where I, I really feel like Look, you can call me a homer, and I am. I mean, I drink the Kool-Aid at one Bills <laughs> drive. But with regards to what Buffalo's done this offseason, I think they have more than enough to make up for not signing DeAndre Hopkins. I would much rather roll deep into the roster, into the season with the roster and the weapons the Bills have constituted. And the other part, Jamie, that I think is so invaluable that gets lost in the shuffle, not only what Dalton Kincaid brings to this offense but what i'm hoping is going to be the emergence of james cook which leads us into mm-hmm. our second part of this conversation here the dalvin cook rumors the fact that he was basically released from the vikings and is still sitting out there on the free agent wire i have seen so many armchair general managers on social media saying why have the bills not signed dalvin cook why have they not brought him in to Buffalo. What are your thoughts on should the Bills go after James Cook's older brother? Well, the past three years, his average yards per carry were five yards, 4.7 yards, 4.4 yards this past season. He's trending the wrong direction. He has been in the league since 2017. And at 27 years old, with the amount of money that he's going to want, is he going to be that much better than his brother James and the other players that the Bills have brought in? Um, Latavius Murray, um, uh, Harris, what's his first name? You got Damian Harris. Damian Harris, thank you. Is he going to be so much better than those guys that they have to bring him in and pay him that money? Like I said, I think he's trending the wrong direction. He's certainly better than what they have on the roster right now. Dalvin Cook has elite contact balance, elite balance. But yes, they would be a better team with him. But it's sort of like you're looking at with with Deion players' talent from the amount of money that they need, plus... For the first time in a while, I'm actually happy with what the Bills have done with the offensive line in the offseason. That in and of itself is going to vastly improve the running game. Oh, a thousand percent agree. I fully am looking forward to Sean McDermott has preached wanting a more balanced offensive attack. And I think you're going to see that in spades coming up this year. First of all, I loved what James Cook did over the second half of his rookie season. It was ridiculous for anybody to think that he was going to supplant Devin Singletary from the get-go as the lead bell cow back in Buffalo's backfield. 
but what he did the second half of the year, his ability to be that explosive home run type of threat out of the backfield and being a very capable pass catcher, it's clearly his backfield. So if I'm the Bills, why do I muddy it by bringing in somebody who has more tread on the tires than I would like, who's going to command a pretty penny to come to Buffalo and who I don't, I mean, look, he's a really good back, but at this stage of his career, I'd rather again, work with the pieces I've got. You've got the thunder in cook. Or you've got the thunder in Damian Harris. You've got the lightning in James cook, and you've got the curveball change of pace back in Naheem Hines, who the bills mm-hmm. need to find a way to get more involved in the pass catching game, because he can be a lethal weapon as a third down back as somebody who can make defenders miss in the open territory, look at what he did in the punt and the kickoff return coverage, especially that first game back after DeMar Hamlin, when he took two kickoffs to the house for a touchdown, which never happens. He's got breakaway speed and he's got excellent cutback abilities. I don't want the bills muddying up the running back room. I like what they've done. I like the balance. And for me, it's a hard no go. No, thank you for Delvin cook. And and let's make a quick comparison to what the bills have on the roster right now. James cook versus Delvin cook. Okay. Delvin cook had three times the number of carries as his brother, James, but Delvin cook, once again, averaged 4.4 yards per carry. James cook averaged 5.7. Oh, 5.7. 5.7. And by the way, far fewer touches. Like I said, Cook was on the field a lot more, especially early in the season when, you know, that's what the Bills do. They work rookies in slowly. He had 39 receptions in limited touches and li- limited appearances on the field. I should be saying snaps. James had 21 receptions. He's going to bypass his brother this year. Maybe not in total yards because he probably won't have as many snaps and touches as his brother because the Bills' offense is not designed that way. But when it comes to receptions and average yards per carry and per reception, James is going to bypass him. Why, why, would, you, why would you get rid of that? I'm with you. We don't need Dalvin Cook. We need talent, yes, but not in that spot. The only place that Dalvin Cook has an edge over James Cook is a name recognition and accomplishments in the league. That's it. At this stage of their careers, I'd much rather have the younger, more spry and agile back in James Cook than I would in Dalvin Cook. So there you go. I think the only people that are really out there leading the charge to bring in D-Hop and Dalvin Cook at this point are the people who fall into the camp of Brandon Bean, do something do something, make this team better. Uh-huh. And I think those people need to really re-examine what the Bills have done this offseason, given how hamstrung they were and where their deficiencies were. And I'd much rather have a Leonard Floyd as a potent pass rusher while Von Miller works his way back than I would D-Hop or Dalvin Cook. So case closed on that chapter here uh, on the Believe podcast. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. 
Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG Pod wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now we're going to segue into the second part of our discussion today, and it's trade candidates. And Jamie, I mentioned during the intro that Brandon Bean has a penchant for wheeling and dealing both mm-hmm. during the draft and uh, and during training camp. Uh, he's made six such moves since he came over to Buffalo. In 2017, linebacker Reggie Ragland was shipped out of town for a fourth-round pick. In 2018, quarterback A.J. McCarron netted a fifth-rounder. In 2019, Wyatt Teller got Buffalo a fifth and a sixth rounder, though at what cost? Because Wyatt has been one of the league's top guards since going to Cleveland, but that's a case of hindsight being 2020. Um, The Bills also got a sixth rounder for Russell Bodine in 2019. And then in 2021, Daryl Johnson led to a sixth round pick and Cody Ford got a fifth round pick back when the Bills dealt away the second round pick out of Oklahoma. So it's not like there isn't evidence and a track record for making these moves. What are you thinking? Like who are some of your candidates that could be dealt away this summer? Well, I want to preface this by saying that the players I'm going to consider are the ones that I believe actually have trade value. Now we as fans, familiarity oftentimes causes us to believe that a player is better than they actually are. So you can't look at somebody who is probably going to, you know, be a practice squatter and say, oh, you're going to be able to get a fourth round pick for him. No, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what has to happen is it has really has to align in that it has to be something you have that another team finds valuable and is willing to part with. And that player also has to be good enough that they can get on the field for that team. That's why it's surprising to me that Daryl Johnson fetched a sixth round draft pick because he wasn't going to be a starter no matter what, no matter where he went. Um, So at times I feel like Bean is doing some sort of sleight of hand. And I think that there are honestly a number of candidates. However, I do want to say that one of the things that I think Bean hesitates to do is to sign a player as a free agent only to trade them. Um, I think that a lot of general managers do hesitate to do that because it sends a bad precedent to agents, which is, hey, my 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 player is going to sign with you only for you to ship them off somewhere else. We hate that we would have signed somewhere else if we wanted to be somewhere else. So that's a little bit of a toughie. I'm throwing that caveat in there. No, I like that because you, that that automatically rules out like a Connor McGovern or Deontay Hardy 
or a Trent Sherfield or a right. David Edwards, somebody who just came over in free agency. You're right. That sends a really bad it's bad juju, if you will, for the Bills if they want to get future free agents. If they're like, oh, yeah, come to Buffalo and they commit and then, well, no, we're going to trade you for a pick. I agree. That school of thought is not the way the Bills abide by. Right. And, and that's it's just it's good business. With that said, if you are an offensive lineman that isn't going to make the team, Brandon Bean has found a way of getting value for you. Now, here's one that I think is going to surprise you a little bit. I think that Osiris Torrance is going to take the, the starting right guard spot. And even though he's a super backup and they may even see a future in him at center, I think that Ryan Bates could end up on the trade block because they may get an offer for him they can't refuse. That's an interesting name to put out there because the Bills have valued the versatility uh, that he brings as a swing guy. And with, I see where you're coming from. My one concern with Bates is if Mitch Morris goes down, there's nobody on this team that can step in and has played center in the NFL. And given how important it is, the center quarterback exchange, that's why I don't see Bates uh, being a trade candidate, but I, I like where your head is because the offensive line has a, has now has a surplus of people, and I could see it instead of being Bates. And I'll let you. I'm sorry. Continue with your logic on Bates. Okay. Well, I was going to say that Connor McGovern has played center in college, and uh, I think he may have. Pulled, yeah, he definitely played it in college. He didn't play center for the Cowboys. But I think David Edwards, who they just signed, also has the ability to slide inside. With that in mind, if they're impressed enough by those guys and David Edwards can stay on the field and Ike Butker comes back, you may have too many players for the interior of the offensive line. I am not in favor of it. I I think they should keep Ryan Bates. However, it may be the kind of thing somebody comes along and offers you a second round pick for him and you don't think he's going to start. Well, geez, now you got me thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, look, a second round pick. I mean, sure. Bates would be expendable, you know, for that. I just, I, for me, I feel like I'd much rather, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think any of the players I'm going to mention are going to yield day one or day two, you know, draft picks in return. I do like your thinking with the offensive line. I could easily see a guy like Ike Butker who played very well uh, before he got hurt and is signed to a very team friendly cap situation. Mm-hmm. He could net maybe a fifth round pick mm-hmm. or a sixth round pick, or maybe even a high fourth. I mean, depending on the need of the team and what their situations like on the offensive line. But Ryan Bates is definitely one of those that makes you think uh, about what could happen um, with the bills and whether he is able to, to be dealt. I like you being outside the box and thinking with that one, Jamie, that was definitely a, a noodle scratcher, if you will, for me, as far as who, <laughs> you know, who could be a, a first uh, candidate to discuss here. I'm going to go on the opposite side of the ball. And it's a position that we'll talk about this on a future podcast, but the bills and their defensive line, mm-hmm. there are so many bodies and there's going to be people that are just caught up in a numbers crunch for who stays on this team or not. And I've got a couple to me, here's what it comes down to. 
one of these two players is going to get dealt this summer. It's either going to be Boogie Basham or AJ Epinesa. In my humble opinion, with the Leonard Floyd signing coming in, it makes one of those two players expendable. And I know Boogie doesn't have a ton of value at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, He's far played inferior to where the Bills drafted him. And AJ Epinesa actually has had flashes where he looks like he could be a competent member of the defense who gets after the quarterback. I think one of those two is going to be likely to be traded this year. And if you had to put, you know, put everything on the line, who do I think is the most likely to get dealt? I think people are still infatuated with Basham's physical play and his athleticism and those couple of quick flashes of brilliance, including the chiefs game when he got after Mahomes in a heartbeat, I think some team is going to be like, we need help on the defensive line. You guys have a glut of people and Boogie Basham finds his way out of Buffalo, maybe returning in the best case scenario, a third round pick or a high fourth. Wow. A third round pick or a high fourth for a guy who's been a healthy scratch as often as he. Wow. Okay. I think people are still kind of drunk on the Kool-Aid over his uh, his game tape from college. And again, the, the freak of nature skills that he has, he hasn't put it together, but you know how the NFL happens to operate. People get drunk on potential. They're like, oh, I can fix this guy. I can bring him into our system. He just needs the right coaching. I think he has more of the intangibles that coaches would look for in a trade than an Epinesa would. Okay. I, I, Understand your logic there, but I would have to disagree and say I find it more likely that Epinesa is the player that other teams are trying to trade for because the guy had six and a half sacks and not that many snaps under his belt. So I think when it comes down to what I talked about originally, it has to be a player that is valued by other teams. And I think that production is going to be valued. And if I were running a team, I I wouldn't want to sniff anywhere around Boogie Basham. I, I would look at his game tape and be like, this guy, get him <laughs> out of here. <laughs> but anyway, I, I do hear I do hear your logic. And for my second trade candidate, I'm sticking with the defensive line, but this is going to move to the inside. I see there being an excellent chance that Tim Settle gets moved. Preach it. I, I realize that he did some restructuring of his contract in the offseason to make it more likely that he would be on the team. But when it comes to Daquan Jones, Ed Oliver, Jordan Phillips, Tim Settle, Puna Ford, there's one name that stands out to me as one who's less productive and one that I would probably be happy with somebody like Eli Anku coming in in his place you know, calling him up off the practice squad. And I don't think you would miss all that much. Tim Settle, if I can get anything for you at all, I bid you adieu. I would agree, Jamie. I feel like that's a really wise uh, move. Again, it comes down to a numbers game with the number of bodies the Bills have. And again, with Jordan Phillips coming back with Puna Ford, uh, playing that run stuffing role on a one-year deal with Ed Oliver coming back on his four-year contract extension, I just don't think there's room for Tim Settle, even though the Bills love to rotate in 
fresh bodies on the defensive line. You got Daquan Jones out there at the one tech who has been phenomenal and deserves a contract extension. I feel like settle is one of those guys who just doesn't have the room in the rotation um, to stay in Buffalo and have a lasting impact. And plus, if you're able to find a trade candidate for settle, you free up $3 million against the cap Mm -hmm. for the bills, which is not insignificant chump change when it comes to this roster and giving yourself some flexibility for assigning during the season. Tim settle was my number two uh, as well as yours. And I feel like he is a really common sense move for the bills to try to find a trade partner for. And I want to say, Jamie, one more thing on the bash of Epinesa debate from earlier, everything you're saying makes sense about why Epinesa has more value than Boogie Basham. But I think one reason a team might be more likely to trade for Basham besides Again, those uh, intangibles and his, you know, his immeasurables and, and what he puts on tape uh, from his both college career and his very raw, unaccomplished pro career is Epinesa is a free agent at the end of this year. Mm-hmm. And Basham has two more years left on his contract. Yes. So you would be trading for someone with a little more team control if you went for a Basham, but Epinesa would probably give you more of a return, if you will, on the field in 2023. That's a great point. Just to put it out there, and there's other candidates. Um, I actually read a story that I was like, huh? There's no way the Bills would do this. But I've heard Kair Elam is one of those guys who, mm-hmm. with Cam Dantzler coming over as a boundary cornerback, and with Christian Benford staying at corner rather than safety, that Elam could be on the block. And I was just like, holy how would you really what would you have to get in return to trade a 2022 first rounder entering his second year it just made no sense to me right I I feel like you have to I I realize okay the the sunk cost fallacy right we have to stick with him because we invested in him but that's not real (laughs) in in this case because you have to actually stick it out with this guy to see where his improvement comes along there. You have to root for your second year first round pick to become a starter. If he doesn't become a starter, what's it going to take to get him there? That's on the coaching staff at that point. But first round picks occasionally get a longer leash and he will get that. Although I got to say, I like the position and that may be someone I'm talking about next. Late on us, Jamie, who's your last one? Dane Jackson. Okay. He is a guy with starting experience. He's actually a good player in his own system. But if you do see a big step forward by Christian Benford, Kyer Elam, or you get some good play out of Alex Austin, the seventh round rookie that's coming in, Alex Austin is basically Dane Jackson. He's a guy who I think has a lot of potential to make the Bills roster. If that's the case... Well, you trade the guy who's got a couple more years under his belt for a guy that's going to be on the rookie contract a little bit longer. With Dane Jackson, you know what you're getting, and it's not bad. But if you can get that out of somebody a couple years younger, you go ahead and take that. That's an interesting take out there because I feel like Austin has a lot more potential. We know what Dane is at this point in his career, and Austin – got a lot of rave reviews for being somebody who could have been drafted higher uh, than he was being a seventh rounder. Very interesting 
final selection for Jamie. And uh, for mine, I, I waffled back and forth, but I really feel like Ike Bucker is a great candidate um, to get traded just based on, again, the glut of bodies at the mm-hmm. interior offensive line. I'd much rather uh, him get dealt away than, say, Ryan Bates uh, when it comes to consistency on that offensive line. And I'll put one more out there who I don't necessarily know what value he would have, but I feel like whoever loses the job to Dorian Williams or Terrell Bernard, whoever loses out to them at middle linebacker, I could see Tyrell Dodson being on the block, even though he's a great special teamer. The Bills brought in A.J. Klein for a reason. They've got Tyler Matikiewicz, who's a special team standout, who has no trade value. Maybe they find somebody to bring in a Tyrell Dodson for like a sixth round pick. So I'll say either Ike Bucker or Tyrell Dodson for my last one. What about A.J. Klein? Do you think he could be dealt? I just don't know if he has any value. I mean, you got a 31-year-old linebacker who seems to play well in one specific system, uh, which is with Sean McDermott. He has not done well anywhere else he's been in the league. I just, I would find it hard to be like, who's going to give up even like a seventh rounder. I mean, Dean Marlowe, the bills gave up a seventh to bring him back. And Mm -hmm. I think Marlowe is more valuable than Klein would have been. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. Just, just spitballing just my two cents out there. We um one thing is for sure though, Jamie, with Brandon Bean's history, you can expect to see some moves and you can also expect to see some bodies. We'll do another podcast coming up later on this summer on who the Bills could look to bring in from other teams uh, as cap cut casualties to shore up Buffalo's roster. But in the meantime, we'd love your feedback. What do you think? Bills, DeAndre Hopkins and Dalvin Cook, yay or nay? And who are some players you think are prime candidates to get dealt away this summer? Get involved with us. Jamie is on Twitter at the Jamie D'Amico. I am at John Boccasino. Want to let our listeners know we are taking next week off. There will be no episode of Believe. I hope you find a way to get through and survive without our dosed tones each and every week. But Jamie, as always, buddy, I'll miss you. Oh, man. Not a day goes by. I don't think about you, buddy. (laughs) How does your wife feel about that? (laughs) Not very comfortable with it. (laughs) Well, that's the kind of rapport we've developed here on Believe. We make each other feel valued with our Bill's opinions out here, and we're glad that our Bill's listeners took the time to listen to this week's episode of Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.